0: Welcome to The Indicator, the weekly lowdown on Colorado's must watch 2018 governor's race. From the staff of the Colorado Independent, a non profit digital newsroom of award winning reporters focused on news in the public interest, in collaboration with KGNU Community Radio, an independent listener supported community radio station broadcasting in Boulder, Denver, and the entire Front Range, as part of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. I'm Maeve Conran, News Director at KGNU, and in today's inaugural edition of The Indicator, we'll take a look at how we got here with Mike Litwin.
1: I am so honored tonight that you have chosen me to carry our message of opportunity for all of Colorado forward. And you know what these experiences have shown me is that leadership is not about dividing people, it's about finding ways to bring people together, around a bold vision for what we can be, an aspirational vision for Colorado's future.
0: After the biggest pool of contenders in memory jockeyed for the widest open governor's seat in decades, Colorado's first open primary winnowed the race down to Jared Polis and Walker Stapleton.
1: Of making Colorado the place that will make our kids and grandkids proud, a place where all of us
0: can prosper. Before we can turn our bold vision into reality,
1: we have to go up against Walker Stapleton, who offers a starkly different vision for our country and state.
0: Today, we'll examine the political, legal, and financial contexts that led the conservative state treasurer and the liberal congressman from Boulder to become the major party nominees with Mike Litwin of the Colorado Independent.
1: Well, Jared Polis spent a great deal of money, and that is, uh, I think, controversial to some of us, but apparently not that interesting to the voters. So Jared Polis is a very wealthy man who has spent from the beginning of his career, he uh, spent a million dollars on a uh, on a state school school board race, that money that no one had ever heard of before. And he spent, I think, the last number I've seen so far in the governor's race is $19 million of his own money. So the question is, in a time where Democrats certainly are uh, very concerned about dark money and about too much money in politics, but spending your own money, is that just as bad or is it bad in a different way? Polis, he, he says that this means I'm not in anybody's pocket, I just no one owns me but me, and I guess there's something to that argument. But on the other hand, is it fair that somebody can buy an election with 19 million dollars? Would would the other contenders would would uh, Kennedy or Johnston would they have won if they had 19 million dollars available? Both well, them. That's that's unknowable, but it is a question to me and. Um, I'd be very interested to see where, where we go with this and, and the question of whether only rich people can afford to run in elections is an issue I think will we'll go forward.
0: It's interesting that you point out, Mike, that it seems that the money being spent in these elections and certainly Jared Polis's own financing of so much of his own campaign seems of interest to journalists and observers, but not necessarily making a difference to the voters. But let's talk about where that money actually goes. When we talk about money being raised, how does that translate into the campaign and how does that actually make a difference?
1: Well, it makes a difference in a lot of ways. And the most obvious and maybe the most important way is in TV advertising. And uh, if you can get your message, figure out which message works or which series of messages works best for you and you can get those messages out often, they, they tend to make an impression. And uh, it's not that hard with, uh, with all the very good people that are out there making these commercials to make a good impression. And uh, I think, or, of course, you can go negative, which which Polis hasn't really done. He did it very slightly after being, after a negative ad against him in uh, on the Republican side and then one on the Democratic side. But basically, he's run a very positive campaign. And that's the message of what he wants to accomplish is pretty firm in the minds of voters. So, I mean, no one's confused or shouldn't be confused about the couple of things that polis wants to emphasize so that's that's one big thing the other big thing is is finding your voters finding out they do a lot of research into who are likely voters for you who are persuadable voters this costs a great deal of money the polling that is done costs a great deal of money all of these things lend to you know the advantage of having more money is that you can do the kinds of things that um that other campaigns can't afford to do. So if, uh, if, you're putting, if you're sending out mailers, you want to know where to send them to. The more information that you have about that, the better off you are. The more money you have to spend on that, the more information you get on that. And that's, that's the kinds of things that, uh, as campaigns grow more and more sophisticated, and as more and more money comes into this, that's the kind of thing that we're seeing.
0: Aside from Polis's own deep pockets, what about the money coming from national groups and the actual Democratic Party itself? Was there a sense of where that was going in the in the primary, certainly?
1: Well, I don't think the parties are the real issue here, although the Republican Government Association is spending a lot of money on Stapleton. But uh, it's where else the money is coming from. That gets a sense of dark money and and it gets us into uh, n- no limits on campaign contrib- contributions in certain ways. You can there are limits on giving to candidates, but there are not limits in giving to um, to uh, 527s or or others who are um, who are contributing to a candidate. So in a lot of ways, what, what Polis claims, and, and there's something to this, is that he's the only one that has control over over his message and whereas if you're stapleton a lot of different people are deciding what the message is and it's not just a candidate in fact it's illegal as you know for candidates to to um to discuss what these outside groups are spending there's a lot of wink-winking going on and a lot of uh there's some back channel stuff but it's illegal to do that so the candidates themselves I don't think they ever they don't do that in this in this kind of uh, um, in this kind of uh, atmosphere because it's too dangerous. But there are people you know who talk to both campaigns and, and figure things out. But there's also because if, if not you know if if somebody wants to go negative against uh, Polis who's giving money, that person can make that de- that person or group or can make that decision themselves. And Stapleton really doesn't have any say in it. So he can either denounce it, which is unlikely to do, or he can go along with it. He may be in favor of it. He may not be in favor of it. So it's a it's a complicated thing in which in which the outside money is overwhelming in these races. And and you know, we're looking at the governor's race this time. The the money that's being spent in um in uh CD6 between Kaufman and Crow by outside groups is enormous. And just wait until the 2020 election, and when uh, Cory Gardner is running for re-election, and uh, Democrats come in, you'll see it will break all records. It will break these governor races record by many times over.
0: We'll talk about what's going on in the 6th Congressional District with Mike Kaufman there, the incumbent, because um, that's an incredibly interesting race as well. But just as as we just continue with how we got here with Jared Polis at the top of the ticket on the gubernatorial election for the Democrats, there's a, a lot of discussion about how the Democrats have moved into this space in politics from what used to be a red state to then a purple state and now what many people are saying is maybe a bluish purple state and there's one figure that seems to pop up and certainly be credited with a lot of this movement and that is ken salazar what's been his role particularly in the gubernatorial race or at least laying out the playbook for this type of election
1: well what the democrats have been very successful doing and what the republicans have been very unsuccessful are uh, doing is finding candidates who can control the center and we're independent who are, you know, the we're in a state where it's basically one third, one third, one third, but unaffiliated voters are will are the biggest biggest third. That's that's wrong in the math, but it's the concept. The concept works. So uh they uh that's the where you have to win to be a winning candidate in Colorado and since Ken Salazar in uh I believe two thousand two thousand four, two thousand six. I can't which it is. but since when he ran for Senate, since that time, Democrats have done a very good job of keeping the middle. And they've had Ken Salazar, and they've had Bill Ritter, and they've had John Hickenlooper, and they've had Michael Bennett, and these people, these people control the middle. Meanwhile, Republicans went, not only went right, they ended up nominating, in many cases, some absurdly bad candidates, and Dan Mays would be the leader in that group. But you can also look at, at Daryl Glenn, people who had no real chance to uh, win an election. And this time, I think you've seen the reaction to that on the, um, on the Republican side, where they nominated Walker Stapleton, who I believe is their most mainstream candidate, and they didn't go, they didn't go far right. They went as mainstream as they could, and I think that was the search for the center. The question is whether Polis, who is a liberal, or Stapleton, who is a conservative, can control that vote of the unaffiliated. So that's, that's one thing that we'll look for when, in, when the voting comes in November.
0: We're speaking with Mike Litwin of the Colorado Independent today on a new podcast that is a collaboration with the Colorado Independent and KGNU, part of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. It's called The Indicator and it's a weekly podcast as we lead up to the November election here in Colorado, taking a look at this very important gubernatorial race. We've been talking there, Mike, about Jared Polis and his own connections there, but really the political machine that is a democratic party and going back to ken salazar and his own race his initial race then uh, for senate but let's look now at the republicans because you did mention dan mays the uh, gop candidate and so many people just thought that was the beginning of the end for the state republican party because he was seen as such an extreme candidate i suppose in many ways coming out of the Tea Party movement at that time. Walker Stapleton, by contrast, has already shown that he's electable because he's been elected to a statewide office. Did Was there ever a doubt that a kind of more mainstream, moderate Republican, if you could even call him that, but compared to some of the others, certainly, was there was that ever in doubt that, that he could end up at the, on the ticket for the Republicans?
1: Well, Stapleton was the favorite from the beginning. And but yes, it could they could have gone a different way, very much so. Tom Tancredo was in the race very early and, uh, there was in the first bulls that were taken, Tancredo had a slight lead in a large field. So if Tancredo had been in the race, I think he would have been, he would have had a reasonable chance, particularly in a large field like we had, he would have had a reasonable chance to win. If you could win with, uh, 30-35% 30-35% of the vote, I think he'd have had a decent chance to win, and that would have been an entirely different um, election campaign. So, yeah, I think there was... Uh, it wasn't clear-cut from the beginning that they would nominate somebody who was a, um, an establishment conservative, which I think is what you'd call Stapleton. And uh, that uh, so when when Tancredo dropped out, and Cynthia Kaufman... Uh, bombed out at the assembly that pretty much left the the establishment conservative field to um, Stapleton who had the backing of, of all the top uh, nearly all the top Republicans in the state and who, uh, and who had the uh, money uh, more money than, than the others were able to raise. So it, it seemed, it seemed, as soon as Tancredo dropped out, it seemed that uh, Stapleton was, uh, was, a, was the sure thing to uh, win the nomination.
0: Now, as we said, he has already held statewide office because, of course, he is the uh, state treasurer. And is there anything in his record at that level that might uh, give us an indication of, of what's ahead, certainly in the gubernatorial race or if he were to be elected governor, what might happen there?
1: Well, I don't think so. The state treasurer is has been a stepping stone to the governor's job. Bill Owens was state treasurer before he was governor. The uh, but it, it doesn't necess- it's, not a, it's not a very ideological job. It's a it's a job where you you know where you make the best bets on or not bets we hope <laughs> not long shot bets certainly on uh, how to uh, handle the state's money, and uh, so. It, I don't think it's a very reliable indicator of of how you would, what kind of governor you would be we we're, we're pretty clear as there's no there's no question about um the difference in um philosophy political philosophy or policy between the two candidates uh Jared Polis is pretty much a mainstream progressive and Stapleton is pretty much a mainstream conservative. Neither one of them is. Uh, although Republicans w- want to uh, make a uh, uh, us into some uh, crazy, bolder liberal, he is an idiosyncratic, bolder liberal, but he's not a crazy, bolder liberal. And his his policies are, are basically within the mainstream of, uh, of liberal democratic thought. And, and uh, and Stapletons are basically in the mainstream of conservative thought. What's, what's different about this election and what the biggest problem facing, facing Republicans is the Donald Trump issue. So we've been we've been had this red versus blue paradigm that we've been working from at least since 2000 in the triple overtime Bush v. Gore race. And that's when the red blue became uh, became a thing. And we've been in that red versus blue kind of thing and the very few states that matter in the presidential elections because of that for some time now. But the uh but I, I think what's completely different this season is that um Trump is not a traditional red. So Trump has his own version of red. And the question is how many Republicans are buying that version of red is obviously Trump's, but um, they just had a poll in the uh, six congressional groups we're talking about. And Trump was under water there, 37 to 50 t- 59, according to the New York times Siena college poll. So if that, if that is, uh, suggests anything about the rest of the state. It's going to be very difficult for any Republican to win a statewide office if Trump is the issue. And in Colorado
0: and a lot of other
1: states, Trump is sort of the unspoken issue. It's not like it's not like Polis is running against Trump, but it's understood that Republicans winning means Trump is winning. Trump lost the state of Colorado by five points and won the few swing states that he lost in 2016. And. My guess is that his favorables in Colorado are much worse today than they were during the election. So the question is, is how much of a uh, burden is Trump to somebody like Stapleton, who did embrace Trump during the Republican primary, but has tried not to embrace him very much since?
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because I suppose the Trump effect is really part of the broad political context where we have, uh, where where we have Walker Stapleton now at the uh, the top of the ticket for the Republicans in the gubernatorial race. And you mentioned CD six there, and that's Mike Kaufman there, and that's uh, most of Aurora and other parts of the kind of Metro Denver area. He's a Republican who has managed to hold that seat against some pretty significant Democratic opponents with statewide recognition from Morgan Carroll in the last election to Andrew Romanoff, a former Speaker of the House. Let's talk a little bit about CD6 and and we can talk then about how uh, some of these other races might impact the gubernatorial. But how has Mike Kaufman been so successful up to this point in that district that on paper certainly looks like it should go Democrat?
1: Well, it's, it's it's one of those things that's very close. It's very close, sort of like the state is. It's very close between Democrat, Republican, and affiliated. But it has gone for Democrats in the last two elections, Pre- presidential elections. Obama carried it, and um, and Clinton carried it, since we've been redistricting. So, uh, and Clinton carried it easily, I think, by nine points, and the uh so yes it should be a democratic it should be a democratic district but coffin who i call an escape artist is really really good at being a congressman he's very good at constituent services he's very good at understanding what his what his constituents want he's he's made great inroads in the ethiopian community which is a large community in his district he uh he gets a, a reasonable percentage of the Hispanic vote when he ran against when, when Romanoff ran against him, Romanoff is fluent in Spanish and, and and Kaufman learned sufficient Spanish to have a debate with Romanoff
0: in Spanish.
1: He's he's good at it. He's good at this and he's he's easy to underestimate. And uh but he's you know the New York Times and uh, Siena College is polling 50 to 60 um, congressional uh, districts in seeing what kind, whether in fact there will be a blue wave. People are predicting a blue wave means that the Democrats would win a great number of seats. This almost always happens in off-year elections where the party where the party that holds the White House loses seats in the House. In fact only three times since the Civil War has the party in power not lost seats in the House in an off-year election. So we can expect Republicans to lose some seats. The question is how many. They have a 23-seat majority in the House. Democrats pick up 24, then they become the majority party in the House. And to do that, they have to win seats like CD6, like Mike Kaufman's seat. And so New York Times Santa College came in and with a poll that showed crow up eleven points, which is would be stunning. I was stunned by that number, and I would doubt very seriously that Coffin will lose by anything like eleven points. But that said, Donald Trump in that district, his numbers came in at thirty-seven approval, fifty-nine disapproval, and that's a huge number to overcome. So as good as Kaufman is, as well as he has done in beating back a couple of really strong Democratic candidates, I thought he would have the seat for life after after beating Romanoff uh, Romanov and Carol's family as he did. Then to then to have to deal with a blue wave that could be enormous is a very difficult thing to overcome. So this the eleven points was a was it a stunning number? But if I'd seen five or six points, I would have thought, yeah, that's probably right.
0: Well, in terms of that blue wave, and in terms of maybe a ripple effect coming out from the sixth congressional district all the way to the the governor's uh, mansion here in Denver, I mean, what impact could all of that have on Walker Stapleton as the gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans?
1: Well, well, when you have waves. They affect government races, too. And when you have waves, they affect legislative races, too. I mean, the state legislative races. I think that uh, in 2010, which was the first uh, Obama term off year, that uh, Republicans picked up over 600 legislature seats around the country, 600. And uh, since. And they they won a bunch of, of of governor seats and they won a bunch more of governor seats in 2014 when when uh, when Cory Gardner beat Mark Udall and which is the only top of the line Republican who has won in Colorado since 2004 that top of the line ballot in in Colorado since 2004. So um, yeah, th- these wave elections. If there is in fact a wave election, it will affect every race in colorado but it will certainly affect the governor's race and it will certainly affect the legislature where democrats have uh republicans have a one seat majority in the senate which is now which will be very much if there's a wave that it's very unlikely they'll be able to keep that majority so whether there's a wave and whether the wave comes to colorado or things you know we can't predict them, but we know what waves look like, and we know that in, in off-year elections that waves are frequent, and we know that Donald Trump's approval ratings are extremely low. So all of these things are bad news for Republicans in Colorado as much as they are bad news for Republicans nationally. So, but that said... You don't know. That's a, you don't know what that means in an individual race. It doesn't necessarily mean if the people in Colorado decide that polls is too liberal for them, then it may not matter that there's that there's a democratic wave. If uh, if um, if people think that Jason Crow doesn't have enough experience, that it may not matter in Mike Coffman's race. But the but the point is, if there's a wave, it will affect all the races. The question is, how much they'll affect them.
0: Well as we just wrap up here Mike and our reflection on how we got here with Walker Stapleton and Jared Polis there was so much made as as we said earlier about Jared Polis spending his own money in the primary race and how much money is being spent already in the gubernatorial race what about money and Walker Stapleton what's the financial context for him now being the Republican candidate for the gubernatorial race
1: Well he, he's he's getting a lot he's Raising money, not nearly the numbers that were compared to what Jared Polis can do. You can't match Jared Polis' numbers, so he'll simply spend more. He has the money and he's willing to spend it, so you can't match him. But Stapleton has not been a money-raising machine as many expected him to be. But the the more important money is the outside money and who's investing money in this campaign, and, and we've seen where. Oil and gas uh, which would have been expected and normally would be a huge a contributor to a Republican gubernatorial candidate in Colorado has not been a huge contributor and they they've they've been spending money on um, on, a, on a threat a uh, initiative that would uh, that would move uh, setbacks back to twenty five hundred feet for uh, fracking wells so. That's where they've been spending their money, I think something like $20 million. And in normal times, a lot of that money might have gone to um, outside groups supporting uh, Stapleton. But Stapleton has enough money. You, anybody who turns on their television set knows how much money there is out there because you'll see nothing but ads for the rest of the way. And it will get, not only, it will get worse, not better. Until until we reach November and
0: then they'll all suddenly stop. And we'll all be grateful. That's something to look forward to. (laughs) Well, in terms of though, just that oil and gas money pouring into defeat Prop uh, 112, the 2,500 foot setback. I suppose in one way, Polis and uh, Stapleton are united in their opposition to that. So that would seem to maybe have a neutral effect on the gubernatorial race.
1: Well, they are both against it. And some people are, um, are wondering why Vera Polis is against it since he was backing not so long ago a, uh, a setback of 2,000 feet. Why, why suddenly is he against the 2,500 feet? And was it to uh, neutralize the impact of oil and gas? That's what some people guess. I I don't know the inside story to that, but that is what a lot of people are guessing. But still as important is the fact that, yes, Polis is neutral or, I mean, against the amendment, but that doesn't mean that it won't work against them because most people who are concerned about this will be voting Republican. So it's more a question of how many Republicans come out if this brings out more Republicans to the polls, that's a good thing for Stapleton, not for Polis.
0: Well, Mike Litwin has been uh, speaking to us today on this new podcast, The Indicator, a collaboration with the Colorado Independent and KGNU and Rocky Mountain Community Radio stations. You can read all of Mike's columns and much more coverage of the gubernatorial race and indeed all of the uh, November election issues online at coloradoindependent.com. Mike, as always, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Indicator, a weekly lowdown on Colorado's 2018 governor's race with staff of the Colorado Independent in collaboration with KGNU. Catch new episodes of The Indicator podcast every Thursday between now and the elections and read reporting on the governor's race online at coloradoindependent.com. For KGNU, I'm Maeve Conran.